like, yeah. oh, that's a great excuse to give that a go. Yeah. So, Re reason uh, number 45 for gas, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and who needs a reason, as they say, for gas? Yeah. I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. Hello and you're very welcome to episode 131 of the Irish Photography Podcast. I'm Darren, I'm your host this evening, and I'm joined by a very good friend of mine all the way down in Kerry. Terry McSweeney, welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. How are you getting on, buddy? Good, Darren, and thanks, Mill, for asking me to come on. I'm really excited to have a chat. It's been a long, long time. It's been a long, long, long time. You know what I mean? Like you and I, we know each other for a long time. Anyway, we'll get into that in a moment. But yeah, yeah. I haven't seen you in ages because of the whole lockdown. And, you know, we've chatted now and then online and such like that. And I said, you know what? Terry, you've done something very interesting. And I wanted to get you on to have a talk about that. But moreover, I kind of wanted to get you on to talk to you anyway as well. So, yeah, look, I'm delighted that you came on. Thanks very, very much for coming on. And I suppose just before we get into anything else, in case anybody is wondering, who's this fella? Who's, who's Terry McSweeney? Who is Terry yeah. McSweeney? Tell us a bit more about you, Nate, to start off with. I'm a amateur photographer based on Kerry, originally hailing from Cork City. I was born and bred in, in Douglas. So I was born and bred in Douglas. And Very good. I managed to infiltrate the border around 92, I fell in love with Kerry woman and the rest is history. So I've been down here for a long time. Very good. And raised a family here. So delighted to be living in such a beautiful place. Oh, yeah. So, you know, naturally drawn to photography, been surrounded in such a, you know, by beautiful things. As you do. And tell me, you know, you mentioned about being drawn to photography. How did you, when did you get started in photography? Do you start from a young boy? Did it come as a young adult? Did it come since you went to Kerry and saw the beauty around you. How did you get started in photography? Dad was always into photography. He had a old film cameras, like a, I'm the youngest of six. So I remember my dad always having beautiful set of cameras, like the old medium format cameras, wow. as well as the DSLRs. Um, my, my poor mom used to have to carry all the gear for him all the time. Sure. So <laughs> she was, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I always had a small compact camera, you know, film camera back in the in the 90s. So anytime we'd go out for a walk or my friends and stuff like that, I'd always have a camera. And, and I was the guy who used to take you know photographs, but I never really got seriously into it until I'd say about 2009. OK, when I, I did an evening class to learn a bit more about composition and the, the, it was run by a guy called Herman, um, Michael Herman was based a uh, German photographer based down in Valencia okay. and he he suggested to join a camera club and that's where it really kicked off for me hmm, interesting you know but but it's kind of interesting that um you know I dusted off the slide projector that I have at home here last weekend with the kids okay. we kind of were looking at slides that I took back in the, the 90s and they they couldn't get over you know mom and dad in uh you know, as twenty-something-year-olds, you know, in the in their big woolen jumpers and stuff. So <laughs> it was great to actually, you know, look at old photographs like that and have that event of, you know, gathering around to to look at photographs. You know, so it's lovely to have those old shots. So it's 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 very interesting. You now you mentioned it there. You know that the evolution of photography, right? So I remember mm -hmm. as a kid, you know, my father dragging out the slide projector 
and we'd be looking at the slides. Mm -hmm. I remember finding the slides and looking them up to the light and seeing what was like, what's this and what's that? And you could never make it out because it was a negative as such. So you'd only look at it when you put it into the projector. And all of a sudden, we used to have this, I don't know how often. It felt like very, very often, but obviously it wasn't. But it felt like we'd all be rushed around this table or rushed around this projector to sit through and you heard, as it's changing out the slides to look at the images. And it was a big thing for him. But from my point of view, I was like, all right, come on, hurry on. And then all of a sudden, you'd see when you go, oh, who's that? That's you. No, no, yeah. that's not I me. Mean, that's not me. But it was, it's mad to think of it now because you can look at your photographs. It's so simple. It's on your phone. But it was, it was an event yeah. before. Exactly. Yeah. And also, say, the anticipation of waiting for the you know, developed film to come back. Because mm-hmm. like, I, I had a few self-timer photographs. And in those days, I think you had a 10-second timer that you'd press a button set the camera up on a rock mm-hmm. then you'd run right. into the frame hopefully you didn't brain yourself in some mm-hmm. sort of hole along the way and then hopefully the shot came out so there's lots of very dodgy uh, horizons oh, yeah. in the shots you know back then but it, no, it was lovely to have them like oh, for sure for sure and tell me you know like have you tried your hand at many different types of photography over the years well, mainly mainly landscape, but I have tr- you know you know astrophotography and, and macro photography um, and maybe some street photography. Like the uh, I recently got um, a move shoot move that that it came up on Instagram this thing for tracking the stars, okay. uh, a fairly cheap thing um, to do that. So you know I'm always interested in trying out new things mm-hmm. um, and also like recently at Christmas time because of not being able to get out at all uh, for photography I got myself um, a flash and a, and a softbox like a Godox flash and softbox so I want to learn about off-camera flash so my, my eldest daughter Neve needed some headshots for college okay so I thought oh, that's a great excuse to give that a go. Yeah, re- reason number 45 for gas, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and who needs a reason, as they say, for gas? Yeah. It's always, that's one of the things I do like about photography is, you know, there's always something extra that you can learn about and just, you know, get yourself out of your comfort zone because there's always a bit, you know, apprehensive about learning about flash, mm-hmm. especially off-camera flash. Mm-hmm. So I I've have a, a Udemy, a Udemy course that I bought ages ago on flash photography and I never I think I might have looked at the first two slides or whatever in it so I'm kind of going through that now at the moment very good uh, so it's something to keep that interest going when we can't do a whole lot outside of the home with photography yeah you know it's interesting you say that because like from my own point of view I always class myself and pigeonhole myself that I'm a landscape photographer. I'm a one-trick pony, right? Anytime that the kids want to get anything done, I get out my phone because it's just as easy. I know I'm not going to be able to miss the shot. Yeah. I know it's going to be taken. I know I'm not going to have blur or whatever because, I mean, my kids are quite young, so trying to get them to stand still for a moment enough for me to go get the camera, get the right lens, then go get a flash, then get the settings, the moment is gone. So I just pick out the, the phone and I'm going, bang. But I have gotten better of it over the years knowing that what I need to do and how I need to do it quickly. But it was always something that I was a small bit, I suppose, in, in a way, kind of scared of. You know, I was intimidated by it because I was like, I don't want to miss this moment. But then with the flash point of view, that's a whole different world as well when you start playing around yeah. with the flash. And I, at the start of lockdown, I started to play around with stuff. I was like, okay, I'm trying to be creative here and such like that. And I started to play around with different lights and started playing around with the flash. And it is really, really fun. And I think it's quite addictive mm-hmm. as well once you start nailing things because, like, 
you know, I, I presume you've kind of done it around, and we'll talk about in the club in a moment, but in the club scene, I imagine you've tried your hand in a number of different types of photography. And one thing that, you know, I always fascinates me is the water droplet photography. And if you can mm-hmm. get that right, it's incredible. And, and it's got to do yeah. with, with, with the flash, but it's also got to do with the yeah. shutter speed. It's also got to do with getting the focus. So it's about the equipment that you're using. So there's a whole plethora of things that you need to be able to have to do that side of photography. But once you get into it, it can be quite addictive. Yeah, like, like talking about that, we in the club, uh, we often, you know, when we talk about it maybe later on, but we have competitions and some of them are themed. And one of the things we're thinking about doing now is taking behind the scenes shots of the shot that you put into the competition because there's lots of that fun stuff that people don't, you know, maybe never hear about, you know, the behind the scenes of, say, taking a water droplet shot and, you know, the the effort people go to to try and get a, a shot for a competition. Part, you know, there's great fun in doing that and you learn an awful lot along the way. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's, you know, it's not such a big deal. You've ha- you've enjoyed mm. the experience of trying to get that shot. Yeah, it's interesting as well, like you said, too, you know? behind the scenes, because that is, again, something that people wouldn't even consider the amount that goes into yeah. getting a shot like that, you know. So yeah, I, I like that idea. Actually, that's something I think could be yeah. uh, could be interesting. And I think the next thing yeah. I want to touch on is that, like I alluded to at the very beginning, you and I have been friends for a number of years. I think I first met you not long after I set up MLP, um, and then I did the first meetup down in Killarney, and then Terry was like, "Who's this mm-hmm. guy?" And I go, "Geez, he's kind of full of enthusiasm. He's jumping around the place, taking all these shots." And I started to see your photographs, and I was like, "Wow, this guy's talented." Now we travelled. We went across the water. We went over to. Um, Bolton, we went to see you know, Thomas Heaton, and then we went off yeah, yeah. Uh, close to Liverpool, then we went off up to the Lake District, and it was a phenomenal trip, and I mean, it's still memories that I still have to this day in regards to the trip that we would have had. So, like, we've touched mm-hmm. on the different styles of photography there, but am I right in saying that your heart lies in landscape photography, and if so, why? Yeah, that, that would be true, yeah. Like, I'm always drawn to that landscape photography. Like, I, I remember that trip very well. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember... And this is one of the things why I really like uh, landscape photography is, you know, we didn't really know where we were going when we went on that trip. <laughs> and it was, you know, we were kind of like a bit mad. So, oh, we'll, we'll, let's go over to here, Thomas Heaton, you know, have a lecture yeah. uh, and try and put in a bit of photography at the same time. But I remember we said, let's go over to Crosby Beach to see, you know, the installation um of those statues another place yeah by anthony gormley another place anthony gormley exactly and uh so we had no idea what to expect and we arrived at the beach in the dark you know it was before the sun rose and then i remember we're walking along in the dark and then getting freaked out by all these shadows emerging out of the dark yeah yeah exactly exactly like and I, i remember we we dressed one up with an mlp hat and a jacket and we took a photograph of it that's the kind of thing that I really enjoy about landscape photography is where you go to some place that you're not that familiar with. And, you know, you might have planned it with regard to, you know, the way the light is shining and the, the you know, if it's near the sea, the tidal conditions, but you're not really sure whether you'll get a shot or not. Mm-hmm. So there's an excitement there about discovering something new and also challenging because, you, you know, you don't know what sort of composition you're going to get. If you're going to get any, mm-hmm. and no, I don't. For me, it doesn't really matter if you don't get anything. It's just you know finding a new place and exploring places is what really draws me to landscape photography. And um, so, like one of the things I really like is um, 
going out into the hills, hiking mm-hmm. and bringing my gear with me and, you know, just being that much closer to nature. And, you know, if I get a shot, I get a shot. But if I don't, it's still a nice day out in the hills. And a couple of things that come to mind from that is, you know, you do a lot of wild camping. Well, you did, obviously, yeah. you know, and I mean, that's something yeah. which is phenomenal, not only to be able to do, but you're out there on your own in the middle of the night. You wake up in the morning. You've gotten some beautiful conditions. You've gotten some incredible photography or photographs. But that's something yeah. I think that makes a lot of people quite unique because a lot of people wouldn't do that. A lot of people are kind of more comfort. They're decided that a road photographer, but you're not. You will you'll go off and you will just go exploring. And it's like yeah. the journey there is equally as important as getting there. And as you say, even if you didn't get yeah. a shot, you were out and you were in the middle of nowhere on your own. And I think from that point of view, I think that's something which is food and fuel for you. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And like more recently and during lockdown, I bought a couple of guidebooks for there's some really good guidebooks by Collins Press on, you know, the different peninsula, you know, the Bearer Peninsula, the Evera Peninsula and the, the Dingle Peninsula mm-hmm. um, that have loads and loads of um, walking routes. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to exploring them a bit more because like when I came down to Kerry first, one of the first things I did was... Um, joined the local camera club or sorry local hill walking club okay. uh, and that was kind of to meet people but also to kind of get my you know bearings around the place and through that i kind of learned how to read a map and navigate and stuff like that so that so that means no matter where you go you should be able to you know get up in the hills if you have a map mm-hmm. and you know nowadays you have view ranger which is you know online maps which makes it a bit easier mm-hmm. to you know have it more accessible but um, it's, it's, it's really good fun. Yeah, and, and again, something else comes to mind when we had that meetup in uh, Killarney and myself, uh, John Myler, Kevin Foley, um, Mike Green, you know, we went off over to the Gap of Dunlow uh, and Dave was there as well to take the photographs mm-hmm. of the Milky Way. But you had said, you know, I have, a, I have another idea. And you went off over to Brayhead to get the Milky yeah. Way over the Skelligs. And I was thinking, what, what the Brayhead? Yeah. Is he off his game? Like, you know, but... You weren't yeah, because yeah, you, yeah. you knew what you were doing. And I think that's kind of puts you and allows you to put yourself in a position to be able to get those photographs without even having to think about it. For me, if I had to do that, i go, okay, when am I going to do that? Three months, okay, i got to start training. You know what I mean? So okay, like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. able to go and then know how to get there, but more importantly, how to get back down safe because it was in the dark. Yeah. 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 And I suppose something else then before I move on to the next thing was that we talked about the trip when we went to the UK. Um, I went back there in March of last year, not last year, the year before, 2019. Um, mm-hmm. Myself and Dermot went over for the photography show and I said to Dermot, come on, we're going back to the Lake District. He goes, I have no interest in going to the Lake District. I, have no, I, I don't want it. I want to go. I said, trust me, you're going to like it. And I knew where we were going because you and I had gone exploring there together. And it was funny because he mentioned a number of times on the podcast is that we go to Buttermere. And he wanted flat water for reflections. And he was like, no, oh, this is crap. There's all the water is moving. I said, relax, relax. When the, sun will, when the sun will set, don't worry, it'll all go calm. And he's like, I want, I want, I want. And I went one step further and I went, trust me, just before the sun sets, see all those sheep over there? They're all going to come past us and they're all going to go into the other field. And I had no idea, but it happened mm-hmm. when you and I were there at the time. And I went, there's a chance it could oh, happen again, happening. you know. 
and he couldn't get over it. He was like, Jesus Christ, is this guy a psychic or what? Like, he's after telling me that the water's going to go yeah. flat, and it went flat. And then he says, those sheep over there are going to move over to the other field, and they moved over there as well. So, like, with the Lake District, like, how did you, did you enjoy that trip from that photography point of view? I did, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, like, there's some iconic shots, all right, with the, the, the gate in that, um, yeah. I can't remember. The, I think it's Grasmere. I can't remember the name of the Lake Bottom area. Yeah. Like th those classic shots. It's lovely to see them. Oh, and Derwent Water. Derwent Water is where the 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 sunken sunken gate is. Okay, that one. Yeah. yeah. And but I remember, like, compared to Ireland, where it's not as crowded. Like some of those photography photo shot places are very crowded over in the UK. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when we went to. Uh, get that lonely tree and those guys walking past us that wouldn't even say how are you how's it going or whatever and they wouldn't budge like and you know that wouldn't be my cup of tea at all and same with yourself like I remember we had a good old chat but I, I do remember when we were there on one of those lakes and I was packing up my gear and you, were, you said to me Terry the light's gonna change the light's gonna change and it did <laughs> so you were psychic back then as that's, well that's, you're right actually I remember that because you were like you were you were cold I think it was we were out for all the day long yeah I was like no Terry trust me it'll change it'll change and bang did it change so we ended up getting beautiful rainbows yeah. and everything and that that was a really really great yeah, trip yeah it was, it was classic yeah, yeah 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 a, a lot, of, lot of highlights came from that trip so much so that I had yeah. to go back and the, again yeah I can remember as well uh, driving the car, like I remember you were giving out to me for driving like a fire in the car. We had a higher car over there. And uh, going along, um, the, I remember we were going through Bolton and we had an A666. Yes. And I said, I have to put on, a, I have to put on Iron Maiden's yeah. number, the number of the Beast. The Beast cranked it up. So, so and that's that's the really nice thing about photography, you know, meeting, you know, you know, having friendships like what we have yeah. and you know, meeting other people and just having the crack when you're out and about taking shots. Like, it's really you know, it's, and it's about the journey as well as the, the photos that you may or may not take. Like. Yeah, for sure. And I suppose the next thing then moving on to, because we've kind of alluded to there a moment ago, is, you know, from the club point of view. So you're a very, very sure. active member of Clarny Camera Club. So number one, I suppose, yeah. tell us a bit more about the club in here, first and foremost. Sure, yeah. It was founded in around 2001. Like I, I've been there since 2009, following that, that evening class that I did. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got about 30 members this year. So it's, it's usually around 30 to 40 members that we have. And we, we organize, you know, guest speakers. So we'd have, you know, either people from other clubs come and visit and talk about the type of photography they do. We'd have workshops on, you know, macro photography, water droplet photography, say, uh, portrait stuff. Um, and we often have professional photographers come in and give talks, which is, you know, re really, really inspiring, mm -hmm. you know, like, cause I, I still really remember the first, um, photographer that came in when I j had just joined a guy called David Hogan. He's a professional photographer from Tralee okay. and he had talked about landscape photography and pre-visualizing the photograph and planning it and I had no uh, appreciation of you know what a taking a landscape photograph was before that like I just thought you just turned up and you know took a shot mm -hmm. so that that really inspired me to okay there's a lot more to this that I can learn and you know that really kind of started me on the journey mm -hmm. but it's so we we kind of meet every two weeks in Killarney, um, the Heights Hotel in Killarney, and we have a 
you know competitions uh, every month which you know it's kind of a fun side of the club it's, it's not it's serious enough but it's not too serious that it takes over you know the green eyed monster kind the of fun of the yeah, club yeah yeah, yeah exactly because it can that can easily happen mm-hmm. like um so and we have different themes and we try and set up the themes to make it challenging so you don't fall into a groove of of you know just doing the same old type of photography all the time mm-hmm. so we, we try and push uh, our standards up and then during the competitions then we take turns you know um, the more experienced members of the club will, uh, take turns giving feedback okay. so it's a very kind of constructive feedback cycle to help everybody in the club you know um, improve their photography skills exactly yeah yeah so a lot of like we we've been lucky enough that there's a few of us in the club that have some you know IT expertise that we've been able to transition to the more you know online mm-hmm. variation of kind of running a club and um, we we might get into that in a bit more detail but um you know the club is still very active we still meet every two weeks we still run our competitions and but everything is online and mm-hmm. but we have had guest speakers over the last couple of months very so good. you know things are still going well. And we'd also organize, you know, um, days away. So because there's a lot of people who most of the club, most of the people would be from Kerry uh, and they would have local spots mm-hmm. that they would know about. So they would organize, you know, a meetup and we'd kind of go exploring in their backyard and they'd show some of the spots there. So that's really nice. That, that, but it's, it's a lovely way of meeting new people. Oh, 100 percent. That have a common yeah. interest. Yeah. Before, before yeah. I go into that, let me ask you a question. What is it with Kerry men and Kerry people that they won't leave Kerry to go take photos? They just won't go anywhere <laughs> other than Kerry. What is it? I know. I know. <laughs> I'd say they're spoiled, spoiled rotten <laughs> and lazy, maybe, maybe. So why would I want to travel? Yeah. I would all at my doorstep. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, well, the thing for me, right? You mentioned there about, about people, right? Um, like yeah. again with MLP, I had the honour of meeting many, many people from the club through Monster Landscape Photographers, and it always blew me away the quality in such a small area. I mean, it's Killarney Camera Club. Now, Killarney has beautiful things every everywhere you look. I mean, you know, three sixty degrees from Killarney, you've got a photo to take. And within those 360 degrees, you've got macro degrees where you'll get a hidden gem you wouldn't even know about. And from that point of view, you mentioned about, you know, learning from others and such of that and showing areas that you wouldn't even know exist. I can still nearly say that there's people that are living in Clarny all their lives, have a camera in their hand a lot of their lives, but they're still finding areas that they never knew existed because it's such a beautiful area. So you're right, mm-hmm. spoiled for choice. But within the whole Killarney ecosystem, you've everything. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. lakes, you've got mountains, you've got waterfalls, you've got old woods, you know. And I remember one, well, actually, uh, not a, I don't think it was the MLP trip. It was another time I was down in Kerry, in Killarney. And you sent me a picture and went, look what I found, look what I found. And it was over in the Black Valley and it was a beautiful waterfall. And I still to this day, I was like, geez, I must go back and find that. I must go back. I thought I found it one day. But it wasn't that. So, like, do you still find, even after all these years now, that you're still finding areas that you never even knew existed, and you kind of went, "Geez, how did I miss that?" Yeah, uh, like especially on the Dingle. I wouldn't know the Dingle Peninsula very well, but um, 
there's some fantastic valleys and lakes in there and like they're a bit off the beaten track all right but uh i'm looking forward to bringing my camera oh. up and checking it out like don't get me started but like oh, it's just i miss it so much go on yeah <laughs> I, know, I know i think it's it's been very tough like and they look so different in you no know, different seasons i suppose because like you have a lot of wood you know deciduous trees in killarney and you know the, the color change in autumn is amazing mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah look i mean what a place to be stuck for five kilometer of a range if you're in the middle of killarney i mean she's i can't think of any nicer yeah. place to be other than the dingle peninsula to be honest with you um yeah and yeah you know i'm kicking myself like because a friend of mine bernard uh, he had the best idea ever is he saw that this whole lockdown was coming. So he moved everything up sticks down to Dingle during December and he's still down in Dingle and that now becomes his 5k. Oh. And I'm just kicking myself that I didn't do that because I can work from home. I can, all I need is an internet connection. So I could have done that. Yeah. What, like, such, but to have such beauty in such a small area, Clarny National Park to me is probably one of the best things that we have in this country. And there's so yeah. much. And I remember another trip I was down there and Peter O'Toole. And I often said to myself, geez, I'd love to get an afternoon with Peter O'Toole. Geez, I wonder where the places he'd bring me, you know, it's one hidden gems he'd know about. And they're all the old phrase, they say, be careful what you wish for, right? Because I was up by Derek Conaghy, myself, John Myler, Kevin Foley and Dave were there. And off rocks up Peter. And he had Oscar with him at the time. And he says, oh, geez, yeah. lads, how are you getting on? And I was like, well, oh, geez, Peter, how are you getting on? And he says, I'm just going down here checking my boat. I went, all right, okay. He goes, uh, do you want to come with me? And I went, yeah. So off we went down, mm-hmm. thinking we were only going to go for a short period of time. But we ended up going down, seeing his boat. And then he went, come on, I'll take you down here to a place. He says, you, can, you normally can't get down here because it's always normally flooded. So he brought us over across a kind of a prairie area. And it was incredible because he was mm-hmm. walking along. And now at the time he had missing cartilage in his knees, right? So, but he was walking down, like walking, walking down there, like he was walking down Patrick Street, just scooting across it. And I was like, Jesus, okay, I'm falling into this. And he's like, no, don't step there. No, don't step here. Yeah, no, step on that rock, not this rock. Because okay, he knew yeah, the whole area yeah. like the back of his hand that myself and John Myler were together with this. But in the meantime, the other two guys were behind and they hadn't got this instruction. And I'll never forget. <laughs> and you let them pick and sink. Yeah, yeah I remember I'll never forget this. And I look behind, like, come on, lads. And they're like, where are you? Like, you know, this way, walk this way. Okay. And all of a sudden, they go, which way? Boom. And they're gone straight down <laughs> into the swamp, you know. But they, they, yeah, they, yeah. the amount of areas that he knew and the amount of areas that I'd wanted to go to. But my God, I was wrecked by the time I got back from it. But he brought us into some beautiful areas. And that's, again, in the whole park. I mean, the park itself is yeah. just incredible. It's a beautiful beautiful yeah. beautiful area you know yeah and, and peter has an amazing exhibition of photographs in killarney house i'm pretty sure they're still there because i remember i went to the opening oh wow uh, just shortly after he retired and he has a whole collection of you know really really big um prints of his photographs wow. on display there so next time in your killarney really well worth popping in you know when things open oh, up yeah for sure yeah for sure and I suppose, go back to the club there for a moment, right? Because you mentioned a second ago about the people that you would meet and, you know, then how would they help each other out? How has the club influenced your photography? Has it helped your photography over the years? Absolutely, yeah. Like the, as well as giving me uh, an incentive to keep going out, taking photographs, you know, with the competitions, which is, you know, just keep, because what I try with the competitions is not take 
use photographs from an archive, you know, from years ago, try and take recent photographs mm -hmm. for the competition. So that'd be one thing would keep you getting out there taking photographs. But it's the, you know, when new people join, you know, kind of teaching other people to kind of, uh, you know, sharing your passion for photography, I think is the main thing that has really helped me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's great to see people who, you know, maybe might have been a bit intimidated when they joined the club initially and seeing them progress and, you know, becoming a lot more confident with their photography and even, you know, suggesting, you know, you know bring people out on, on workshops or, you know, showing them around their own local area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, like recently we 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 um, gave a talk to Car Camera Club that myself, Nikki, and Seamus to, to other people in the club. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's, it's lovely just making those connections with people that you've never met before as well. You know, yeah, so absolutely, it's really good. Look, I mean, from every aspect of it, you know, you can learn from each other, and I think you know I've mentioned many many times on the, the podcast over the years, like you can go off and you can get a book. Or you can go off and online, you can watch a video. But going out and having somebody next to you to even ask the question, what settings are you on here for this one? Because it gives you the initial steer. And then all of a sudden, you lock mm -hmm. that in. Because you might read something in a book and go, okay, yeah, when you go take a landscape photography, okay, it's F11 ISO 100, right? But what's my shutter speed supposed to be? The shutter speed is going to vary depending on the light. So, or what you want yeah. to capture. And if you don't have that and don't understand that, or taking waterfalls is another example you know you could go off and do that and all of a sudden get yeah. a very fast shutter speed and you're going okay i got my waterfall photograph well hang on a second have you considered this oh geez i never thought of that yeah because the book didn't tell me to think of that so i think from learning from others and being able to get a body of work which is improving every step of the way there's a huge amount to be said for the value that a club can bring for not only your photography yeah. but also i'm sure there's people that have joined that start to green behind the ears but you can see something in them and they pick it up so quick yeah. and all of a sudden they're accelerating on. You're like, wow, look at that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, that, that critique feedback that we had in the competitions is so important because everybody, you know, it learns from that and it's done in a, a constructive way. So it's not like, you know, belittling anybody or trying to, you know, um, you know, pick holes in their photography. It's all about, you know, this is a really strong image, but, you know, consider, as you're saying, have you considered this? You know, if you did this, it would even be stronger potentially because a lot of it is a matter of opinion as well, mm -hmm. you know. So, and, you know, by doing that inside the club, like it's the people inside the club critiquing each other. Mm -hmm. um, I think that helps bond the club, you know, as well. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So look, what we're going to do, Terry, is we're going to take a very quick break, right? And when we come back, I want to talk a bit more about the exhibitions of work that you do because sure. I think there's a very interesting topic to discuss there. So we'll be right back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the podcast, why not jump over to iTunes or Spotify and listen to the back catalogue that we have with some great episodes where we talk about photography, gear, and some excellent guests along the way. Thanks very much for listening and for watching. We'll see you in the next one. You're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Terry, like I said there before the break, I kind of want to get into something here, which is a very interesting topic for me. And to kind of tee it up, really, is you, you alluded to it earlier on, and you also mentioned in regards to Peter O'Toole's work, right? So there's been very, very successful exhibitions of images for members, and I think it's in the, the, the library in Killarney. I mean, I went to, That's right. to Killarney one, on one occasion, and I made it purpose to go there because it was phenomenal work. So, like, 
Tell me, how would you have organised that in the past? What goes into organising that exhibition in the in the library in Killarney? Like every year we, we try and do an exhibition and it's really to encourage people to print their photographs is one thing. And also for them, to, you know, for people to see your photograph hanging in a public space is a really good motivator, you know, for, um, you know, to hear that feedback from other people, but also just to say, wow, you know, that's my work hanging there. And it, well, it doesn't look too bad. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so that like the way we organize that is, you know, we get uh, members of the club to pick out two of their photographs okay. and then we send them off to get them photo, uh, printed. Like, and Graeme Daly actually has printed a lot of her photos for exhibitions, you know, a photographer from Cork, a good friend. Yep. And then we, we have a whole set of um, frames and we, we just mount them in the frames then and the we, we we hang them in the gallery and we usually in the library in Clarny because that's a nice public space. Mm -hmm. They've got a, a special room there that has, you know, really good lighting. And then we'd invite either a local photographer or, you know, member of the council or, you know, we had Wishy Fogarty, you know, from, uh, unfortunately he passed away recently okay. from um, uh, Kerry Radio. Yeah to get to open up the exhibition so and then we'd have an, an open evening where you know we'd have the official opening we'd have some nibbles and some uh fizzy water i don't know if we had some if the budget went for uh, prosecco <laughs> or whatever but um but it was just so nice to have a, a group of friends and you know you know members of the public as well in that space mm -hmm. seeing the photographs and you'd have you know the the photographers from the local papers then covering the event so it was really good exposure for the club mm -hmm. but could really sense in the the members of the club that actually put in photographs because we really encourage them to submit photographs for the exhibition okay. you could really sense the you know the um enjoyment and the sense of wow you know that's my work mm -hmm. hanging on the wall there mm -hmm. it's, it's a great motivator so you know and then at, at the after the exhibition's finished the you know, the, the the club sell the photographs at you know just to cover the costs if if people want to Very good. you know have their own prints so it's a it's a nice way of getting a nice big you know high quality print mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, you know I mean look I as I say I went and I went and made a beeline there on a couple of occasions to go in and look at it because for two things to be honest with you number one just to be able to see the people that I knew through MLP and their photographs being up there but sure. also to get ideas because you'd also see these areas that you may not necessarily see because. People may hold a photograph for the exhibition that wouldn't go online. You go, yeah. Jesus, where's that? Jeez, look at that place. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I'm going down to take photos. So I'd go in there first and I go, okay, maybe I'm going over to Tork or whatever it might have been. I go, okay. I'll have, I didn't see that composition before and then I know what it is. So it gives me a small bit of inspiration then to even go, I was going to Tork, but not sod that. I'm going to go to Derek Cunningham, you know, because I've seen the Cascades that are there. I mean, I never even knew the Cascades. I went to the Derek Cunningham Falls on three or four occasions. But I never knew to go yeah. turn left and go to the, the giant cascades around the left-hand side. I, mean, I remember when I yeah. um, recorded the episode with you of In the Landscape Photographer Profile, that's where we did it. Yeah. And I, not only was yeah, I yeah. blown away by how good you were when we recorded it, but I was blown away by how have I missed this spot so often? Mm. And like that's what I think, yeah. because like when you get such good quality photographers and such a breadth of photography in one area from a concentration around an area it can't help but inspire you and it can't help but inspire the public either to see 
the beauty that they may not even see themselves, you know. So well done for yeah. putting them together. I mean, you know, I really, really enjoyed visiting. And of course, I couldn't visit you know, from last year. And now coming into this year, I want to talk about what you've done in COVID times because you didn't say, I don't want to have an exhibition. You said, I want to have an exhibition. But you said, I'm going to make it virtual. So, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, that came up at one of our meetings um, before Christmas, and the idea was floating, well, how do we do an exhibition this year? And Seamus and the club said, oh, how about we do a a virtual exhibition? And I was thinking to myself, sure, isn't that just a slideshow on you know, Flickr or something like that? You know what I mean? And the our chairperson is Nikki Foley, mm-hmm. and she, she asked me, oh, Terry, would you... Know, would you help um, set up a virtual exhibition? And my normal reaction is, yeah, I'll give it a go. Yeah. I had no idea what was involved. But um, over Christmas then, I did a, a bit of Googling of you know, virtual exhibitions and came across this web service called Kunz Matrix. Okay. It's, a, it's a German company. And they provide virtual exhibition spaces for artists. So it's not just photography, but it could be, you know, painters, you know, sculptures, you know, uh, ceramics, you know, lots of different things. And you can you can pick a couple of different room layouts and then uh, upload images of your whatever um, artistic pieces they are. In our case, it was photographs. Mm -hmm. So you'd upload the photographs, enter some you know, details about the photographs and then go around virtually hanging them on the walls. So you kind of try and lay them out. Um, so it's like kind of going through, you know, um, a holodeck with, you mm-hmm. know, just walking around um, like there's, there's no zombies jumping out, <laughs> getting you. So it's, it's like a game, except you're just looking at photographs. So it's a very, it's a very passive game. Um, but it was, it was really good fun setting it up. And we didn't say anything to... Um, to the rest of the the rest of the club okay. so myself and nikki were organizing it uh, so what we like usually what like one of the challenges of doing an exhibition is you know getting people to send in the you know the photographs on time and the right size mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that so what we did you know to reduce the workload was we picked photographs from the last two years of competitions because you know, we, we have a good a good set of high quality photographs and that would help everybody who's active in the club be represented in the virtual gallery so we put all that together uh, and with this uh, Kunz Matrix website uh, you pay 25 euros a month um, to have a virtual exhibition space and you can have up to 250 okay. photographs as in that so we, we had that set up and then on one of our nights, we did our virtual launch as a club evening and we unveiled it and everybody was blown away by, yeah. wow, you know, this is this is a real, um, you know, a real kind of exhibition, mm-hmm. although it's online. Mm-hmm. So you have the same feel. You can walk around uh, and see the photographs and you can do an automatic tour and stuff like that. So it was really good fun. It, it looks great, you know, and it's actually what prompted me to say, you know what, I get Terry on to talk about this because I imagine there's a lot of other clubs that are out there very similar to that are trying to find ways to be able to share their images amongst the club. But the way you did it there, I think, is yeah. fantastic because it's like as if it was a big reveal, a big surprise to everybody. And not only did they see their photographs, but as you say, you can walk through this, you can 
have a virtual exhibition. But you mentioned something a second ago about where you have it in the library is that it had some nice light. You're now in a virtual space, which yeah. has perfect light. So, you know, in, yeah, yeah, with exactly. that in mind, you're always going to have nice light on the images. And then as you're picking them through. So, like, what could people expect when they go look at this virtual exhibition? What is the different types of photographs that you picked? We tried to show the different range of uh, subject matter for the the clubs. So there's ones from, there's a lot of landscape ones because mm -hmm. by the nature of the club or where we are, there's a lot of landscape, but there's also, you know, still life, some macro shots. There's some uh, abstract shots and uh, and there's a mixture of color and black and white. Um, okay, very good. And not a, not a, there's not that many portrait ones. Like we, that's something we probably need to to grow a bit more in the club. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, there's there's plenty of variety. And um, we this kind of store because we we have a Facebook page and the local papers learned about it through the Facebook page. I, I think um, so they got on to us to do articles. So we had some really good coverage in the mm -hmm. Kerry Man and the Kerry's Eye, which are local papers. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, and then, like, since we have the, like, I, I kind of renewed it for this month as well. So I put in another exhibition of a thing called triptych photographs. Okay. So, so triptych is three images yes. uh, on kind of three panels. You might, might see them in old, you know, old churches and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the, the fun things we did a couple of years ago in the club as a themed competition, we called it a triptych competition, okay. uh, which is something we had never done before. So people had to enter three photographs that had a common theme, you know, connecting them together. Uh, people really, really enjoyed the the kind of challenge of putting together a triptych. So I, since we had loads space i think like in, in the original exhibition we have 52 photographs so you know okay. we had loads more space for our subscription so i decided to um put together the the triptych entries for the last i think we did it twice and uh, so i created an, a separate exhibition so there's plenty uh if people want to see where it is that they can go on on clarnycameraclub.ie is our website so that there's a blog post there on the, on the link that has the, the link to the um, exhibition. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'll put a link to that into the show notes anyway as well when oh, I put cool. it up onto Good the uh, Facebook page. Yeah. And I suppose yeah. you mentioned here about the idea, you know, the, the concept, how it looked, how everything came together. So from your point of view, what was the biggest challenge in, in doing that? Because, you know, you've organized ones that were in real life in the past. You are IT literate let's just say you're the it yeah. person that understands these things i know a lot of people would look at that and it'd be like as if they're talking gobbledygook they wouldn't even figure out how is this possible but from your point of view what was the biggest challenge then in putting it together well like the, the most piece of work really was having to enter all the details for all the photographs that were been loaded up because the the process of uploading the photographs was a bit clunky like okay. You, you had to kind of manually key in all the, the details of the photographer's name, the title of the photograph, and if there was any background information on the shot, you know, we had to type that in manually. But other than that, it was pretty, it was very, very user-friendly, and you didn't need to have that much IT, you know, real IT skills just to be comfortable, you know, using a computer. So, you know, I definitely recommend it, because like when I was there, I was thinking, gosh, I wonder, are there any other camera clubs using the space so i just 
did a search for camera club and I, I found one other club in Ireland that was using it. Okay. Uh, uh, I think it was Boyne Club up, up in the north, uh, but no other ones. Okay. So, you know, I definitely recommend, you know, for something different, you know, to, to try it out. And it's only 25 euros for a month. And then, then you can, you know, unsubscribe if you don't want to continue it and, you know, start it up again. Because like there's a limit to how many how many photographs you can have up, but it's very good value. Like it's very good value, and the beauty of that as well is that you know you had it in the library in Killarney, but you are kind of pigeonholing that to a certain extent into the library in Killarney, whereas online is online. So yeah, you know, if somebody takes takes that and shares that with somebody who's in Australia or somebody in America, they would never have got the opportunity to to go to Killarney to go into the library at the period of time when it was running. So you know I think it's a very very good um, platform to give it something which mm -hmm. can go global, let's just say. And I think, like yeah. you, you mentioned there, you, you extended it. How long is it? Is it running for the month of February? Is it's, it going to go on to it, March? It's to the first week of March at the moment. And Very we'll good. see if, if we want to extend it again. Very good. Very good. And I suppose, you know, final question then on that one then, Terry, is like, will you go back to do the virtual one again? Like, uh, hopefully, hopefully. Fingers crossed, touch wood, and all that kind of stuff. In 2022, we find a small bit of normality, right? But, you know, if you are back to normal, will you also run the virtual one concurrently, do you think? We might, because uh, as you say, it's an interesting thing about uh, extending the reach of the club. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think that would be a good thing to do. Because, mm -hmm. like, as I was saying earlier, the the beauty of having an, an actual physical exhibition is, you know, that interaction and it's, it's more tactile seeing your photographs mm -hmm. printed, but, um, you know, there's a different impact with the virtual one and especially on the reach to an audience that you know, might make it down to Kerry. Cause like mm -hmm. with the exhibition in, in the, in the library, it's only for a very short period of time. Cause there's a, a lot of, you know, um, you know, other, timetables for that particular exhibition space yeah for sure so and yeah, i suppose yeah. the, the other thing that comes to mind from that then as well is to try and monetize it because if you've got an opportunity to sell prints from the digital images that are on the virtual yeah. exhibition like you know ireland okay the, the old phrase is ireland has a tiny population in, in ireland but has a huge population around the world i mean everybody has some sort of a link to ireland let's just say mm -hmm. particularly in mm -hmm. the u.s and now yeah. when you get so many people from the US that can't or couldn't travel to Ireland and particularly to Kerry, I think it could be something there where you could have an opportunity to get that message far afield. But more importantly, you know, if you like a, a photograph in the exhibition, then contact because you might be able to get a print of it. You know what I mean? Absolutely, so, yeah. Like there's yeah. definitely a commercial end of it on the other end of that. And as you say, 25 bucks a month. I mean, OK, I know that the, the club is self-funded, but I mean, there's, yeah. there's 30 members, you know, so it's a, a euro yeah. each. Um, yeah. I mean, in reality, to get your photograph somewhere that may never have been seen, I think it's a phenomenal thing. And like I said, I mean, I, I thought it was quite interesting, um, not only to see it, but because I knew you and that you'd done it. So I really wanted to kind of go yeah. into the, the, the nitty gritty and how it was done, you know. So fair play, because I, I've gone through it. It looks fantastic, you know. Um, sure, and you, you, you are effectively walking through an exhibition, like I say, with perfect sight on every photograph. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. You know, and we didn't have to uh, hammer a nail into a wall or anything. So uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Out. And you yeah, don't have, yeah. you also don't have the problem as well. I mean, from a printing point of view, 
I mean, sure. I have a printer here and I rarely print because the amount of paper I waste, the amount of ink I waste trying to get the photograph printed. And also with my own printer here, I don't use it that often. So when I turn it back on again, it has to go through a whole cleaning cycle and that's dumping a ridiculous amount of ink again. So, you know, like to do an exhibition, there's the cost, there's the time sure. from the print point of view. So, I mean, it absolutely, I think it's a golden opportunity to turn into the virtual world. It's kind of bringing an exhibition into the 21st century, 21st yeah. century, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was thinking there we're going back in time. It feels <laughs> like it's like Groundhog Day every like, single day it's, it's, it's these days. Yeah. But look, fair play to you on that, Terry. Thanks for giving us the information on it. You know, um, like I say, um, I'll put the link into the show notes on the Facebook group um, of where people can go look at it. But it's, it's free for people to look at as well. So, you know, yeah. go have a look at the beauty. Go have a look at the talent in the camera club. And you never know, you might find that photograph that you wished you could have visited yourself. You know, reach out, and I'm sure you'll be able to look after uh, people. 100%, so yeah, to yeah. Do that, absolutely, you know? yeah, absolutely, brilliant. Yeah. So, look, Terry, thanks for that. What we're going to do is we're going to take one uh, last break, right? And it's a regular segment that I have in the podcast. So, I have three questions that I'm going to ask you. Um, one is a funny story, and I'll tell you the rest when we come back. So, yeah, we'll be right back <laughs> after. Good this. stuff. If you're enjoying this episode of the podcast, why not jump over to iTunes or Spotify? And listen to the back catalogue that we have with some great episodes where we talk about photography, gear, and some excellent guests along the way. Thanks very much for listening and for watching. We'll see you on the next one. And you're very welcome back to the final part of the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Terry, as I mentioned there before the break, you know, I have three segments that I ask every single guest. And just because you're a friend of mine, I'm not letting you off, okay? So I'm going to bring you down to okay. cross all three questions as well. So we'll start off. I gave you the hint in the first one anyway there, which is, you know, a funny photography story. So, Terry McSweeney, what's your funny photography story? Well, I was thinking about this and I mentioned to my wife about funny photography stories. And mm -hmm. she says to me, uh, Terry, do you remember the time I nearly got that she nearly got wiped out by a wave as I got her to walk into a photograph? We, we were down in Valencia, down the cliffs in Valencia. And, um, you know, that's a very popular fishing spot and you have mm -hmm. people fishing off the rocks and uh, you know it wasn't that you know crazy a, a day with regard to storms or waves but there was some nice waves crashing in and i had my 200 mil lens mm -hmm. so i was trying to compress you know the the perspective and, and i asked oh, rena would you ever um walk in there into the the foreground so i can get a sense of scale so she innocently walked in and she had her phone so i was talking to her on the mobile phone because she was quite a good bit away and as she was there i said no no you need to move in a bit closer to be closer and then all of a sudden and i was on uh, continuous shooting okay so uh, uh, i was taking shots of the waves and this humongous wave crashed uh over the cliff and soaked her <laughs> so i could see her kind of retreating quickly um but uh, but she survived and she's still talking to me and um, but she does she hasn't stood in for a photograph since so I'll have to coax her back again. I don't know about that. You have to bring, bring her back to somewhere that's safer. But no, you hang on a second because yeah. you said something at the very beginning there in regards to your father and your and your mom carrying all the gear. So oh yeah. 
Like this is obviously where it came from, sending your wife out there now as well, like and not giving a damn yeah, for her safety because all you I wanted know. to do was to get the shot, yeah. Get get the shot. I know. I thought about getting the shot. <laughs> and tell yeah. me, do you have the the continuous frames? You can see that big giant wave coming in in the moment of I impact, can. yeah. <laughs> I can, yeah. yeah. And her, <laughs> her kind of making uh get hitting reverse gear and getting the hell out of there as quickly oh, yeah. as possible. Yeah, you know yeah. what? It's funny. I I love the sea. I love it. I love it. I love the sea, yeah. but always have to be on your guard by the oh sea. you do yeah, yeah always yeah. have to be on your guard by the sea like, yeah. You know? yeah yeah particularly when you're down like in Valencia I, yeah no that that is a dodgy spot right like but I, I did try to convince her that you know the the uh 200 mil lens that compression made it look way worse than it was and she she wasn't buying it at all like so but we're, it does we're yeah it does it terms. makes it, it makes it look a lot worse than what it actually is yeah, but she still got <laughs> soaked like so you mean really, yeah. there's no half getting wet you're either soaked or no. you're soaked you know what i mean so yeah, yeah fair yeah, play yeah, to her yeah. fair play to her yeah. she still talks yeah. to you which is good she yeah. does, she does. survive to tell the tale yeah 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 okay yeah. and terry the next question is what gear do you shoot with so when i was taking photos with you you were shooting canon and you had at uh 24 to 70 and it rarely came off your camera so yeah. are you still shooting Canon? No, I, I actually made the big switch. I um <gasps> shock horror. Oh my that, god. That don't, was, say, don't say that, Nikon, don't say Nikon, please don't say Nikon. No, say Nikon. no, no, no. All right, okay, no, that's no. grand. So go it's on. Worse. I'm a Fuji fanboy now. Oh my god, you joined the tribe. You joined the tribe. Joined the tribe. Go on. Joined, what, sorry, apologies. Fuji what? X X T what? Uh uh an X T three. and I'm delighted like I was kind of a bit at the start when I switched, and one of the one of the big reasons I switched was I was kind of hiking up in the snow up into the reeks to take a shot of the rising sun, and mm-hmm. I could feel my my pulse coming out through my neck. I was it was the weight of my gear because I, I had a, a seventy to two hundred f two point eight lens, a be- absolutely be, beautiful yeah. lens, but I reckon weighed yeah. a couple of kilos. Uh, and I was trying to get shots of the reeks from the eastern reeks. You know, you get beautiful um, photographs of Karen Tool from that from that side when the sun is coming up. Yeah. But um, I, I I missed the sunrise because uh, the gear was just too heavy for me. So I decided, you know, that's enough. You know, that's the last straw really. And I decided to sell all my gear and uh, I bought a Fuji. Um, but then I, I was surprised at how kind of all thumbs I was for a while because mm-hmm. I, I was very fluent with the controls of the Canon, Canon yeah. and you know very you know very um, you know muscle memory was, had been uh, built up so yeah, much like pre- yeah yeah pr- pr- pretty much yeah. so yeah. so it was interesting you know having to go back to you know getting more you know uh, fluid with the camera again and get you know getting more you know comfortable with the controls but you know that, that was two years ago now 2019 February 2019 um and I'm loving the Fuji now. It's way lighter. I have two. I bought a second-hand XT3 a couple of months ago, and um, I'm hopefully buying a. There's a 70 to 300 that's just it's just been announced, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a, a light um, zoom lens um, that would fit my bag. So, because like one of the things that I found I was doing with the Canon gear was I was making a decision about leaving. You know, will I take it or won't I take it? Mm-hmm. You know, when I was going out and that was kind of, you know, ringing an alarm bell for me that, you know, if I'm thinking about leaving stuff behind, you know, is there a problem there? Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I kind of look at stuff when I'm you know looking for a gear and stuff like that, you know, 
does this enable me to do what I want to do? And you know, what I want to do is, you know, as you were saying earlier, or as we were saying earlier about the, you know, hiking and getting mm -hmm. out into unusual places, and having light gear enables me to do that. Mm. So that that's one of the big reasons I went to Fuji. But you know, I just love the ergonomics of the cameras. There, you don't need to go into any menus to set any settings. You know, they're all dials at the top of the camera, and the apertures on the lens. So it's like an old school retro camera mm. in that way. In, in, but in a digital form as well. And yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. But how, how do you find the image quality then and the sensor? Oh, fa uh, fantastic. Yeah, like, yeah, no problems whatsoever. And in low light and ISO. Uh, yeah, like I, I haven't done a huge amount of um, low light stuff, but you know, the recovery of the shadows uh, has been really good. Very like good. I've recently. Like I had a, a set of leaf filters as well, and I, I you know I think you might have done the same thing with the yeah. case magnetic circular filters. So yeah. I got rid of all my leaf stuff. It's, I still have a few for sale if anyone's looking for. I still have all uh, mine. I haven't sold them yet. Have you? Okay, okay. I'll get in ahead of you if anyone is looking for a circular polarizer. Give me a shout. Um, and a and a big stopper. They're the only two I've left, but um, I'm blown away by the the ease of the case circular filters yeah, amazing right. and they're really small and compact and they're light and then it means you know there's less faffing yeah. in the bag getting stuff yeah. and again that, again that's something that would enable me to you know take the shots that i want to take and you know with the fuji the you know with the new cameras you know any new camera i suppose the dynamic range is so much that you know you, know, you mightn't actually need to have you know grad filters anymore mm -hmm. um and you can bracket the shot anyway if you mm -hmm. want to mm -hmm. um so yeah very Happy good i made the switch yeah and um what lenses have you got for the fuji so you'll get you're, you're uh, going to get the the uh, 7300 yeah so what, yeah, what are you shooting uh, on at the moment the the kit lens which is i think 24 to 55 and i have a 10 to 24 and i have a 35 prime Wow, very nice. Uh, I got a, I think I got an eighty prime macro as well. Very nice. Which, which is a beautiful lens. Like I, when I was taking the headshots of Nave, my daughter, there during the week, uh, I used that, and whoa, I was blown away by the, um, the sharpness of the lens. Yeah. No, I mean, look, you know, fair play to you. I mean, look, I can see a lot of people that are moving over to the Fuji tribe, and you can see why from the weight point of view. Because look, um, I've changed and I've gone down the route of the mirrorless and I have the USR. And even coming off the 6D, it, it's a much, much different experience, but it's the same experience for me because, as you mentioned a second ago, the muscle memory you're building up from using Canon, it's so easy, it's so intuitive. But I'm sure like after you get rid of your you know, 14 thumbs or 26 thumbs that you might have felt like you had, let's just say, and all of a sudden it starts to click in because it is the manual dials. And that's something I've, I like you know, because uh, it brings me back to many, many years ago when I was a kid and having a film camera, not knowing what I was doing, but I had to do all this and everything else was there. So it's kind of retro style, but in a digital age. So yeah, fair play to you yeah. on the change. Yeah, yeah and I, I was surprised, like, you know, thinking about the change, like it was a real anxious moment, you know, when mm -hmm. I have all mm -hmm. this gear, this investment in gear, 
uh, and I spent ages going on YouTube, you know, reading reviews. And after a while, I said, "Feck it, you know, just do it. Do it. Now, don't yeah, yeah. be dithering about it." You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, no, fair, fair play. I I allow yeah, you to move yeah. away from Canon as much as it breaks. <laughs> to say, but no, I can see where you go from it in relation to it. And I suppose yeah. the third, third and final question, and that then sequence of questions is: We have a regular segment here on the podcast, right? Uh, for, for anybody who doesn't know about it, it's called a VSP. It means a very solid product. It's a, basically a reason to explain why you might have gas. Okay. So from your point of view, what is your VSP? A product that you'd swear by you won't leave home without. Yeah. Well, I, I've got a few things from Peak Design. Okay. Uh, they got, they do I think I know where this I... is going. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> I know we, we can talk about straps in a second and unattended <laughs> tripods because I yeah. know you had a lot. You, you gave you had a shout out for me on the podcast <laughs> <Did> anyway. <laughs> but it, it's it's I do have a Peak Design strap and uh, we can talk about my tripod unattended tripod anxiety in a second. Yeah. But the the VSP from them I, I got a, a camera clip which you can put on the strap of your on rucksack. The, strap of the bag, yeah. Um, and then you have a an arca swiss plate then on, the, on your camera and you can clip that into the into the clip which means that the camera is you know within a few seconds of use all the time so if mm -hmm. you're you know if you're like sometimes i might bring my bike into the national park and cycle to a place rather than having to walk mm -hmm. but i'd have the camera on the clip so that if something came up i could just use it straight away mm -hmm. so again this kind of going back to things that might enable me to take photographs and I, I found you know the clip is some, a really simple device but it works mm -hmm. really really well nice. and it helps me have the camera close to hand all the time yeah good good product is something i've thought about myself as well i wouldn't yeah i I've, I've thought about it since i've moved to the usr because i wouldn't have done it with the 6d it'd just be too big and clunky to be sitting in front yeah. of me you know but even yeah. the usr is a small body camera but of course you know the ability to be able to on single-handedly release your camera yeah and put it back on again and grab that shot. You know, I, I very, very, very good VSP. But I thought yeah. that what you were going to say your VSP was <laughs> was, was a strap because yeah. I, I, I did mention you a couple of times on the podcast because <laughs> you, you do have like, you know, unattended tripod anxiety and it is something that you looked at me and go, Darren, what are you doing? And Terry, I'm only two feet. Don't, don't be two feet away from it. Don't leave it. No, 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 no. Don't leave your tripod alone. I'm like, all right, like, but then I look at you <laughs> and you had the strap around your neck attached to the camera. So effectively you're attached to the tripod. And then I kind of say to myself, all right, he likes that strap a lot. So I thought it was going to be yeah. Uh, yeah. a strap, but you, you have a peak design I, I, strap as well, though, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah. That they're, yeah, yeah. They're really handy for, you can clip it in and clip it out easily and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. if you've ever had a tripod um, topple over on you, you know where that anxiety comes from. I have but, once, uh, but it, it was my own stupidity. It was me knocking. Well, it wasn't. It was actually other people calling me that I got up, but I knocked over the tripod. And, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a horrible but feeling. The, the, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. But um, the Peak Design products, like they're very well designed. Like, they're very simple, like, but they're very effective designs. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Not very, very good choices. Very, very good choices. So, Terry, guess what? We're almost there, man. We're, ne we're nearly oh, done. Time is after I, flying already. I can't believe it's it. Fl it's flown. It's been really, really enjoyable. Yeah, Darren. so listen, before I go, I suppose, where can people find more information about you and where can people find more information about the club? Yeah, so for me, like, I wouldn't be huge on it on uh, social media because um, I, I spend most of my time in front of a computer all day, so I need yeah. a, a yeah. break sometimes. A break, but, um, 
uh, Terry McSweeney photography on Instagram would be my main thing. So that's uh, McSweeney with the M-A-C. We, mm-hmm. we didn't take the soup with the <laughs> M-A-C Sweeney uh, yeah. photography. And uh, KillarneyCameraClub.ie, we, we have uh, our own website and also Killarney Camera Club on Facebook. Very so you, you would be able to find out, you know, more information about the club on the on our on our website uh, and links to also the the exhibition perfect so look i'll put the links as well into the uh the, the post on the facebook group anyway as well so yeah and i suppose the final thing then terry is you know with all this lockdown crap when it's all over yeah. what's next for you well the just before lockdown we myself and arena bought a, a volkswagen um transporter that was partially mm. converted as a camper van so mm. we got it finished and certified the day of lockdown kicking in back oh. in march wow. so we haven't had a chance to go exploring much like you know when, when it eased during the summer we did a bit of exploring around Kerry and west cork which was just fantastic and, and mm. we headed over to the copper coast as well for, nice. for a trip so I'm really looking forward to you know going around Ireland in the camper van, and my daughter Nave is over in Edinburgh, a university there. So, um, a trip to the Highlands mm. in in um, Scotland is on the cards, and hopefully then if if, if the camper van kind of works out, and you know we we're enjoying the camper van, we might kind of upgrade to a more you know term you know, more long term living in a camper van and head to the continent. So brilliant, that would be the idea. Yeah, I'll bring, yeah. And I bring the camera with me. Wow. Jesus, that's that's yeah, living so the dream, Terry, by living the dream. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Crossed, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully. Well, yeah, look, yeah. Terry, I've thoroughly enjoyed catching up with you anyway, number one. But also, thanks very much for coming on. I think, you know, you've given a fantastic insight, not only into your own photography, but also into the club and what goes into doing the whole virtual side of the exhibitions as well. So, yeah, look, uh, hopefully, someday soon, sooner rather than later, you know, we'll get back out to go shooting again because it's long overdue. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely darren and th- yeah. thanks Mel, for the invite as well i really really enjoyed my first podcast so oh, really, really enjoyed you, you did very very well you survived yeah you survived me no, anyway, really. which is good yeah so look <laughs> terry from me in cork to you down in kerry until the next time slanga fall slanga fall indeed thanks darren take care hey guys if you dig what you're hearing why don't you jump over to itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Give us a five-star rating and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting.